Can you believe we're almost a quarter of the way through the CHL season already? Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the CHL Top 10 Show. As always, my name is Scott Van Kunit, and as promised, today I chat with the editor-in-chief of the Hockey News, Ryan Kennedy. We discuss some of the top teams in the CHL right now, some surprise players, which 2024 NHL draft prospects have been impressing, who to keep an eye on for the 2025 NHL draft, and what new and really exciting feature is now available at the Hockey News. Here's Ryan Kennedy. Really excited to welcome back to the show today, the editor-in-chief of the Hockey News, Ryan Kennedy. Ryan, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, really glad that uh, you can make the time to come on. It's, uh, it's really starting to feel like hockey season. I know I've said it the, the last couple of weeks, but uh, my kids had their first bus cancellation of of the season today so it's really starting to feel like hockey season uh how excited are you that everything's going and uh you know we're really in the throes of it now yeah very excited and sort of an interesting time where you're still seeing a couple of big names filter back to the ohl obviously the kitchener rangers getting roman schmidt back from the tampa bay lightning organization you know they got philip mesar back not too long ago as well and they were already playing incredibly so uh interesting just to see how these those things pan out and, you know before that Dalbor Dvorsky going to Sudbury so fun times it's, it's fun just to see the the wealth of talent there yeah and like you said Kitchener getting Mashar and Roman Schmidt back they played in the the CHL game of the week last night, Mashar picked up a goal and two assists. He's got points in every single game, so I'm sure Habs fans are excited to see what uh, what he's doing. Um, but let's let's dive right in and and we'll talk about offense. And there might not be anybody who puts up more points than than Jordan Dumay of the Halifax Mooseheads this year. And picking up right where he left off the last two seasons, he's got 21 points in eight games, nine of those goals. Uh, <laughs> What what more does Jordan Dumay have to prove? Yeah, I mean, if I was going to give a saucy answer, I would say to, to grow three inches. But he has proven time and again that he is one of those smaller players that just gets the job done. And I think what's going to be really fascinating to see is when Canada's World Junior Camp comes up not too long from now, I might point out, you know, probably about a month from now, where does Jordan Dumay fit into their plans? And this is a kid that, you know, he has actively used that chip on his shoulder to prove the doubters wrong. Columbus, I mean, it's already looking like a steal of a pick when they got him. But like I say, he just he just keeps producing and He's clearly got that competitive fire, and it's going to be very fun to see, particularly in junior. Like, I mean, if we're forecasting down the road, the NHL is a totally different animal. And, right. you know, we've seen smaller players before where it either takes them a long time or it takes, you know, a change of scenery. You know, I'm thinking about, like, you know, Trey fix Wolanski, another Columbus, uh, you know, uh, product or not I mean he's not from there but he's with the Blue Jackets you know you look at Matthew Phillips and you know he had that great training camp with Washington but originally he was with Calgary 
So hopefully for Dume, it's more of a straight line and, and the Blue Jackets give him chances down the road. But for now, yeah, he's just dominating because that's what's in front of him. Yeah, and that's the thing about those smaller players. They just need to have a coach that's willing to take a chance on them and give them a little bit of leash to show what they can do offensively. Indeed. And, you know, you look at the Halifax Mooseheads, and <laughs> it's funny. I think last year he set the franchise record for points in a season. And keep in mind, this is a franchise that had Nathan McKinnon, Jakub Voracek, Johnson Drouin, Nico Heischer. Like, there were some awesome players in Halifax over the years. Jordan Dumay outscored them all in one season. Yeah, and in short order, he will have every offensive uh, record in Halifax and goals and points and assists. He's already got the assist record, so – He's going to be the the all one of the all time great franchise players for that team. Already is. Um, what about the rest of the team? Like, you know, you look at their their team last year and they made it to the the Q final, losing to the eventual Memorial Cup champion Quebec Rampart. They lost a lot of offense, and I know that you got Marcus Vitacek and Matthew Cataford that are are ready to take another step, and then you got a, a rookie in Lou Levesque who seems to be performing pretty well here but are they going to be able to make up all that lost offense this year it's it's tough to say I, I think that Cataford is probably the linchpin there you know as great as Dumay has been already you know you want to see that growth from draft year to you know now you've been drafted into the NHL and you know Cataford taken by the Vegas Golden Knights in round three another player that you know, he's not small. He's 5'11", about 190. Um, but, you know, he was, I don't want to say in the same mold as Dume, but, you know, he was on the lighter side for scouts and they wanted to see him get stronger. And, you know, a, again, a, a guy that's been a, a great playmaker for them. So, I mean, there's definitely potential with these moose heads. I would say that, you know, you look at the goaltending they're getting right now uh, from Matisse Rousseau and, I, that's big, especially for a kid that's, you know, a 2004 birthday, uh, a 937 save percentage. That's that's pretty hot. So it's interesting and, because and it, a goal. And there you go. And a goal. <laughs> so he's chipping in on both ends. Um, it's interesting because I think we've seen in the CHL lately when it comes to like playoffs and even the Memorial Cup experience in net has really helped. And, you know, Rousseau's younger, but I mean, if he's getting the job done, then, you know, I think you just kind of ride him and, and see how far you can go. Because again, yeah, you know, you, you look at this team and they're not an old team, right? I mean, they got a lot of sort of 18, 19 year olds, uh, you know, Logan Crosby, 17. So this isn't necessarily the end of their window, it, but it would be probably one of the best chances with Dume there, obviously. And and they've shown that they're always willing to go out and add if they, they find a piece that is that's willing or able to help them in the run. The other the other team, since we're we started in the queue, we might as well stick in the queue for a little bit here. And you mentioned the importance of veteran goaltending. Well, the Ruan Oranda Huskies went out and got Will Rousseau, who just happened to be the Memorial Cup winning goalie with Quebec last year, they got off to a little bit of a slow start where they weren't able to kind of finish in, in extra time. Um, they're heating up now. 
What do you like about the Ruan Aranda Huskies? Well, this is an organization that just seems to get it, right? Like they figured out that kind of like CHL cycle where, you know, they go for it. They manage to, you know, get the guys that are going to help them get to the next level. You know, you talked about, you know, Halifax willing to make moves. I think we've seen the Huskies, particularly in Memorial Cup years, you know, go out and get like a Noah Dobson, for example. Um, so an interesting team for me. And you make a great point about Rousseau. Like this is a guy that's already done it, right? And, you know, much like uh, his counterpart in Halifax there, you know, neither of them have like a ton of size. Uh, I think Rousseau's listed at 6'1", which I mean, for major junior, that's totally fine. But there's almost a bit of an advantage where you know you're going to get maximum development time with these kids because there's no rush to go to the pro level. So for me, Ruan Aranda is one of those teams that I always kind of keep an eye on uh, because, you know, if, if they're not rebuilding, then they're in the mix and they're in the mix in a serious way. Yeah, and not a lot of, we'll say, star power on that team. Oh, they have some very good junior players, but there's not a lot of star power on that team. Yeah, and that's something that I think we've seen uh, over the years is they managed to put together a team, and they're very good with their veterans and their overagers, where, again, it's, it's not necessarily, you know, the first-round NHL draft picks, but they've built, they've built a very good culture there, and they know how to kind of retain guys and make the most of the players they have. So, uh, yeah, to me, I, again, this is one of those teams where, if they're at that high point of the cycle, they're always one to look out for. And another interesting team out of the queue this year would be the Baycomo Dracar, who are led by the by the Justins. That's overager Justin Gill and Justin Poirier, not to be confused with his brother Jeremy Poirier, who's uh, in Calgary's system. Um, they might be the hottest team in the CHL right now, and they're riding a nine-game win streak. Are we seeing them take that next step into a contender category because we've usually been able to see the the top four or five teams in the queue and we haven't seen Bay Como up there in a while so it's kind of nice to see them uh, seemingly make that next step this year yeah and it will be interesting to keep an eye on them you know when you have uh, an older player like Justin Gill really sort of make the most of that season so far I mean 31 points in 17 games that's pretty hot I know at one point he was leading the the league in scoring. I'm not sure if he still is, but you know, this is a team where, you know, a, a bit older and, you know, they do have uh Poirier, as you mentioned, and, and he's kind of the next generation. And he, it was very exciting for, you know, for him to come to town. Um, but I, I think this is one of those teams where, uh, you know, they have that veteran presence and, you know, you, you look at the goaltending, uh, that's an area that they can probably improve upon as the year goes by, you know, neither of the goaltenders right now has a 900 save percentage. So there's, there's room for growth there. And it, I mean, and who knows if they're really serious, maybe they hit the open market at the trade deadline and say, you know, we like what we have up front, but you know, we may, we might need to sort of juice the lineup a little bit. So that'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what the Dracar do. Because, again, you know, like a franchise like this, they're, they're not always at the top. 
So if you think you have that opportunity, maybe you go for it. The the last team in the queue that uh, that we'll touch on uh, would be the Drummondville Voltageurs, and they signaled uh, their intention to push this year when they made the trade for Ethan Goche and brought him in this year. Um, you know, they're another team that got off to a bit of a slow start, but they seem to be picking it up lately. A little bit more star power on that team, a little bit more firepower. Uh, what do you like about uh, Drummondville? Well, Ethan Gauthier, a great place to start. And, you know, as we're doing this interview, Scott, we are closing an issue of the Hockey News, and Ethan Gauthier is actually featured in our prospect section talking about, you know, how cool it is to come back to Drummondville uh, where, you know, his dad played and uh, has, you know, some pretty deep roots. So a, a fun homecoming for Ethan Gauthier. I think technically he was born in Arizona, but, you know, like Drummondville is home. Um, yeah, this is a team that, yeah, they have those exciting high-end parts. You know, Gauthier being the Tampa Bay pick, that's obviously a big one. But then you look at Maverick Lamaru and, you know, the Arizona Coyotes, it's so it's kind of fun for me when I look at how they've been drafting under GM Bill Armstrong, because it's like all huge kids <laughs> and a lot of them have different skill sets, but you know, Maverick Lamaru, obviously one of the biggest kids in his draft class at like six foot seven. Um, you know, the fact that he's a point per game player right now as a defenseman and, you know, as, as a defenseman, frankly, that we saw, you know, more as a mobile guy that obviously had that great reach you know, when it was his draft year for him to really start putting up points, um, you know, at the sort of later stages of his junior career is obviously huge for, for the Voltageurs. So yeah, a, a very interesting uh, team, uh, you know, Riley Mercer giving them some pretty solid goaltending. Uh, it's obviously Dawson Mercer's brother, which is kind of cool. And, and for me, you know, six foot two, that's like perfect for a netminder, I, I love netminders with size, and uh, six foot two is sort of like the the good starting point. Anything six foot two and above for me, you got a lot of potential there. And Mercer has a lot of experience, so that's great as well. Um, Tyler Pedal, I would love to see him get back on track. You know, because early in his career, you know, he looked like he was going to be a house on fire, and he's gone through a lot of adversity. I know with injuries. Um, but it'd be great to see him get on track for Drummondville because that would just add another layer to them. For sure, yeah. He's uh, he's a goal scorer when he's going, so just to get him going would be a, a huge boon for that team. Um, let's keep talking about goals, and let's head out west and maybe one of the most electrifying teams in the CHL this year with Mark Lamb's Prince George Cougars. Um, <laughs> you know, they seem to be scoring at will this year. They're, they they kind of remind me of of the previous two seasons, um, Winnipeg Ice, where they're just high scoring game after high scoring game. Uh, Tarek Parasek, what can you say about him? A rookie who's coming in. He's he's leading leading the CHL, tied for the lead in CHL with eighteen goals. Like it's it's pretty impressive what they've been doing so far. Certainly, and I'll admit, like I mean, he was not on my radar at all coming into this season. And, you know, when, when things started up and you see this kid putting up multi-point games and, and sort of devastating multi-point games at that, it was like, Ooh, okay, there's definitely something here. I think, you know, obviously they have a lot of depth up, up front and, you know, Parasek's been put in a position 
where he's got great line mates, but you know, the way that he finds those scoring areas and, and makes himself available, I think is a big reason why he's put up more than a goal per game at this point. And, you know, just saying that out loud, it's like more than a goal per game, 18 in his first 17. That's incredibly impressive for somebody that does not have much experience at this level. And, you know, what you hope for is that he can sort of go through the ebbs and flows of the season and, and keep that level. Maybe it's not, you know, the pace he's on right now where it's almost two points a game, like 30 and 17. But I think he has the chance to really load up some numbers, as you mentioned, you know, because this Cougar squad, I mean, it's certainly not just him. You got Zach Funk, the veteran leading them, uh, you know, with 33 points. And then you got NHL picks like Riley Height and Cohen Zemer, who, you know, I think those were the guys we kind of expected to lead the charge this year, or at least take another step. And yeah, they're playing really well, but Parasak has just been this wonderful surprise. And I, I just want to, I just want to see it keep going. It's a fun ride. It's fun to watch Prince George play. Yeah. And, and Andre Becker, another guy who's racking up the points for them there. So the, the pressure really isn't on any one of those guys to keep producing because they've got enough depth and, and it must make them just play a little bit freer. Wouldn't you say? I would say so, because, you know, if you're having an off night or, you know, if you're banged up, you, you don't have to worry that it's all going to fall apart. And, you know, just in terms of matchups, when teams are playing you, they have to decide, okay, well, who are we going to put our best shutdown guys on? Because if you leave one line open, you might get burned by the other. And so it's, it's like a great problem to have that you have that depth and again, like we've been saying, you're getting that surprise scoring from a guy like Parasak, and that just makes it all the better for the Heights and the Zemers of the world where you knew the pressure was going to be on. You know, you get drafted. You want to put your best foot forward. You know, you might even be thinking about a World Junior camp tryout at the least for Canada. To know that you're allowed to have an off night, to know that you're allowed to continue to round out your game and – it doesn't have to be, you know, points every night as long as you're playing the right way and as long as the team's winning. That's a tremendous benefit for a major junior squad. And and for kids at this level, I've talked to a few guys this year and and maybe more so in years past, they've been talking about consistency. Is that just – do you find that it's a, a maturity thing, that maybe these kids are just slightly more mature than we've seen in the past – um, and that and that's the kind of thing that they're thinking of is is having to be more consistent throughout the whole year. I, I think that's fair. And I, I think it all comes into how much more prepared kids are these days. And, you know, in a lot of ways, you say like, oh, you know, it's it's becoming a business earlier and earlier with kids, especially at the elite level, which is obviously where the CHL is, is drawing from for the most part other than the occasional late bloomer here and there, but the upshot of all the training and, and how serious the kids take it is that they do learn those lessons earlier on. And, you know, the fact that they're coming from high-end programs, well, whether it's the sports schools out West, whether it's, you know, the GTHL in the 
greater Toronto area where so many NHL stars are developed at the U16 level and obviously before that. I mean, it's sort of good to learn it now and, and learn how to be kind of a pro, even though you are still a teenager, because it's going to help down the line. It won't be so much of a shock to your system when you're getting to what you hope to be the NHL level and you see just what it takes. As a sort of sidebar on this note, you know, I just wrote a huge cover story on Brad Marchand uh, for the magazine that, <clears throat> that we're closing this week. And obviously he had, you know, a, a pretty solid career in the Quebec league. Uh, but he was saying, you know, when he got to the pro level, he trained with David Krejci in one summer and he realized he had so far to go, right? Like to be an NHLer and to be with the Boston Bruins in particular, the level is so high. So Marchand is now, you know, he's been paying that forward uh, during his time where when there are young kids coming up, he wants them to see what the standard is and how high it is. And I think you look at a player like Matthew Poitra, who has been integral to the Bruins so far this season, because obviously they lost Krejci and Bergeron down the middle. I do wonder, you know, Poitra coming out of the Guelph storm, I would say he's at least a year early to the NHL. I don't think any of us really expected him to make that leap right away, but give credit to him and all the prep he did in the summer to put himself in a position to succeed and therefore help the Boston Bruins, who are once again one of the hottest teams in the NHL, just like they were last year. Isn't it like Boston Bruins fans must just be, you know, giddy seeing Matthew Poitra come in and thinking like, oh, no, we lost Krejci. We lost Bergeron. Here comes this new second-round pick that's been in the OHL. And much like Bergeron, making it a little bit earlier than he would have been expected, not to compare him, but just to have somebody that can fill that roster spot and and come in and, and have veteran pieces surround him so that he can, you know, hopefully turn into something close to what either Bergeron or Krejci were one day. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, for the Bruins, the benefit was that they could slot guys into better spots because they had somebody like Poitra who can play top six. You know, I, in particular, I'm thinking about like Charlie Coyle. You know, ideally, he's a third line center. And, you know, before the the Poitra revelation, if you will, you were looking at a depth chart where, where Pavel Zaka and Charlie Coyle were your two top centers. And that's not ideal. The fact Quatra showed in training camp that he could play with skill guys and that he could also produce if you put him with more bottom six guys, I think proved to the Bruins. It's like, okay, well, we can slide this kid up and down the lineup, but, you know, we have roles to fill. And you know they've got the skilled wingers, whether it's Marchand or Pasternak. You know, I mean, they've got the high-end players. So they just had to make sure they had a guy that could fill the role you know, play a two-way game and support what we know is a team with a great blue line and two excellent goaltenders. So, I mean, to me, it's one of the great training camp stories this year is the fact that Quatra was able not only to crack the lineup, but to be exactly what the Bruins needed. Yeah, and we expected, you know, Bedard to stick in Chicago. We expected... Kevin Korczynski to be given a really long leash to to make Chicago as well. 
we knew that Matt Savoy and Zach Benson were going to get a chance in Buffalo, but I don't think anybody expected Matthew Poitra. I don't even think Matthew Poitra expected to be on, on Boston at this point of the season. No, exactly. So, I mean, huge credit to him. And, and again, it was just, I mean, it's not like he's a huge hulking player where you could say, Oh, well, he's already got NHL size. Like, I mean, he's like a, a fairly mid-sized player and he, and, you know, he'll get stronger over the years and that'll only help him further. But the fact that he's been able to do what he's been able to do so far is, is just awesome. Played uh, lacrosse in the summer growing up. His brother's a big lacrosse player. So probably helped him in the physicality there. Um, quickly back to PG for one second. And I just want to uh, last year, the moose had led the CHL with 335 goals. The Winnipeg ice had 325 goals. PG over or under 325 goals this year. Ooh, you know what? I'm I'm gonna say they do it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'll take the over on that because I think that they like we've been talking about. They have enough guys that you know <clears throat> different people can step up, and you know again. I'm I'm getting really sort of like in the weeds here, but if none of them make the world junior team, they're going to have some games where they might be playing some normally high-end squads missing their best players. So you could see some surprise 7-1, to 8-1 to one games in late December, early January that sort of push the total higher. We'll stick out in the West and – they led. Uh, they were one of the top-ranked teams, or they were the top-ranked team for for a few weeks, and that's the Portland Winter Hawks. The thing that I love about the Winter Hawks every year is you look at that roster, and drafted, signed by Portland, 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 Portland. Um, you know, it's no different this year. They have maybe three guys on the roster that weren't drafted by Portland, but two of those guys hadn't even played a dozen games with the with the team that drafted them. Um, it's just Josh Davies, Josh Davies, who hadn't spent basically his entire career in Portland, which I, I just, you know, when you look across all the rosters on all 60 of our teams, it's that's impressive. And to be as consistent as they are year end and, you know, year in and year out, you know, Mike Johnson's got quite the program going there. <laughs> he really does. And I mean, to me, this is one of those, major junior franchises that you can always kind of count on. It's like the London Knights in the OHL. You know, I, I think at this point you can probably put, you know, the Quebec Remparts and, and, and the Halifax Mooseheads in that category where, you know, maybe they have an off year, but it's never really that bad. And, you know, I, I look at teams that always kind of hit on their import picks uh, because there's no guarantee. I mean, you really have to sell these kids and the majority of them from Europe on coming over to North America, you know, coming to uh, a country that maybe they've never been to as a teenager, you know, uh, a language that they might only kind of speak. Uh, but you pitch the fact that the CHL is a tremendous route to the pro game and the NHL. And, you know, Portland has definitely been one of those teams uh during Mike Johnson's tenure where, you know, as you say, you know, you look at some of the guys that are very good at drafting, 
but then you look at the import picks and you look at what Jan Spoonar has done for them in net this year. 925 save percentage, you know, 9-2-1 and one record right now. Um, you look at Merrick Alsher coming in and giving them a lot of great size on the blue line. And they always seem to have at least one guy up for the draft that's intriguing. And right now I'm looking at Diego Budazzoni, where he obviously got off to a fantastic start. Not the biggest kid in the world, but again, gets the job done. And if you are an NHL team and you're drafting, you can look at Portland and say, okay, well, it's a good development program. So we are confident selecting a player that's probably going to spend another another couple of years there. Which is, again, like you mentioned, some of those other teams, but we see that year in and year out from the London Knights as well, where there's somebody that gets drafted that wasn't really on anybody's radar, where they're like, oh, he's playing for the London Knights. You know, we we have faith in in what they do, and and you know, when it comes time to sign him, he'll be ready for us. Exactly, it's just like a, a nice little check mark uh, on the uh, on the list where you say, okay, well, we believe in that system. We've seen the results before. You know, consistently, we're seeing Winterhawks make it to the NHL and make an impact, and uh, you know that that counts for something. You know, sticking out in the WHL, we got um, there's the next the next three teams are are kind of you know uh, right around each other, and that'd be the Moose Jaw Warriors, which are you know led by Jagger Fergus, and he's having a another tremendous year. Another guy who is smaller in stature, and he's really hoping for a spot on the World Junior Team. Obviously, they've got Braden Jagger and Den Matejchuk on that team as well, who are the you know the core guys there. You got the Saskatoon Blades who have been stumbling a little bit lately, but that's another team that should be dangerous again this year. And then another team that's really caught fire recently in the Wenatchee Wild. And like I mentioned earlier, they're without Benson and Savoy, um, but they've rattled off eight wins in a row there. First, what do you think of the jerseys? I, I like them. Uh I don't, I don't think they're too different from when they were in the BCHL. Uh, they give me kind of like old Minnesota Timberwolves vibes, uh, the NBA team. Uh, so, yeah, I think they're pretty solid. I, To be honest, the name Ice never really like sang for me because uh, every team plays on ice. Uh, so the Wild, you know, they're in Washington State, obviously, you know, uh, a lot of forestry there, uh, a lot of mountains and whatnot. So I think it's a pretty appropriate name. So, yeah, I like it. And, you know, with Wenatchee, what, uh, to the fans out there, what do you think their odds of getting a Benson and a Savoy or one or the other? I know uh, Benson's hurt right now um, and Savoy just is getting back into the lineup. But assuming that both of those guys – will probably play at the World Juniors. But what do you think the odds are that they come back? And and because that will just completely change the landscape of that team. Certainly. I, I, I do think ultimately that they both go back. I think if, if Savoy had not been hurt at that uh, Sabres prospect challenge, because uh, I was there for his first game against Montreal, and he was electric. I mean, so was Zach Benson. Um, but obviously Benson continued on and, and made the Sabres out of camp. Um, but if Savoy had actually gotten a real Sabres training camp, 
<clears throat> that probably would have helped. I think this is probably kind of one of those Shane Wright situations from last year, except they, they don't get traded from their junior team. I think, you know, what you do is you let him hang around for a bit. And obviously Benson, you know, needs to recover. So we'll have to wait till he gets back. But I think probably the most prudent thing for Buffalo to do right now is to send both Savoy and Benson back to Wenatchee or, you know, depending on the timing, maybe they go straight to Canada's world junior camp. Um, but you want to see both of them as leaders on that world junior squad, because it's going to be a very interesting year for Canada. If Kevin Korczynski sticks in Chicago and it really looks like he will, cause he's already broke that, you know, nine, 10 game barrier that we always talk about with the contract slide. Owen Beck will basically be the only returning player because only Bedard and Fantilli were also still eligible to return. And obviously they're going to be a bit busy in the <laughs> NHL. So I wouldn't expect them to get a sign there, but the result is that it's a really open field for team Canada and, you know, Savoy and Benson would be incredibly dynamic. They're both great competitors. You know, Benson, it was awesome that he made the Sabres, but he wasn't playing a ton when he was in the game. And, you know, a young player like that, you want him getting minutes. You want him playing in all situations, frankly. Um, you know, if he goes back to Wenatchee, put him on the penalty kill. Do the same for Savoy. Uh, you know, like, give them all the opportunities they can because we know that they're going to be in the NHL soon. And I would also say, you know, the one thing I'm, I've been thinking of, again, in terms of timelines, is eventually the Sabres are going to get Jack Quinn back from injury. Uh, right. You know had a great OHL career with the Ottawa 67s. They'll get him back. That's one more roster spot that would have to be fought for. And obviously Quinn is older and, you know, already played in the NHL. So why not use that development time for Benson and Savoy, where, as you mentioned, Wenatchee's already a great squad. You know, they had a lot of success in the playoffs when they were in Winnipeg. Go for that title. You know, you got Connor Geeky as well, so you have a ton of high-end talent. I wouldn't be surprised if all three of them uh, make Canada's World Junior squad. Uh, how fun would that be? But to me, it just makes sense, especially because the Sabres aren't playing that great. Um, you might as well use that development time and do the right thing for the players. And you got uh, Graham Sward on, on uh, the Wild, who's currently leading the team in scoring mm -hmm. as a defenseman. So they still got a lot of great pieces there. Uh, quickly touch on the World Juniors. It's in Sweden this year. Do you think that's going to help Team Canada because there's going to be so many new faces and they're going to have to go away and they won't have as many distractions? It's an interesting point. Um, Canada typically doesn't play as well in Europe as they do in North America. But I think that's starting to change a little bit. It's really going to come down to the mix of players that they land on and, and goaltending in particular. I mean, that's been something that in recent years they've kind of got lucky where, you know, somebody has taken the job uh, and it, it hasn't necessarily been the kids that they brought to summer camp. Uh, you know, Joel Hoffer, uh, you know, years ago, uh, when it was in Czech Republic uh, comes to mind in particular, but 
you know, who is it this year? You know, Don DiVincentis with North Bay. I know, you know, he's, he's hurt right now. Uh, but is he the best option? Is it Carson Bjarnason with the Brandon Wheat Kings? Like, they're going to have to figure out who's the guy that sort of carries the mail for them in net. Um, otherwise, you know, they're going to have weapons, but it's really going to come down to the mix. And I think you make a good point about the team coming together and not being under such a searing spotlight because there won't be as much North American media over there. Uh, but I'm going to be there. I'm going to ask them super tough questions just to keep them on their heels. No. Good. I, we, we appreciate that. We got to keep them honest, right? Keep their um, feet to the fire. That's right. When I ask them so, which NHL players they look up to. <laughs> uh, if you, if we, if we head to the OHL now, um, you know, we, we touched on the Kitchener Rangers a little bit. But uh, maybe we can just dive in a little bit more on them, especially guys like Hunter Brustevich, who was leading the O and scoring for a while. Um, he's got 28 points to start off the year. Carson Rakoff, who's who's gone off to a great start, um, 18 goals, 33 points for him. Uh, you know, I don't think Kitchener – well, I don't think they were expecting to get the Schmitz and the Mishars back. So does that – having those guys come back and, and the run that they're on now, does that kind of change – you think what they were planning on doing this year? I think it's really kind of crystallized the opportunity they have. And obviously they're going to have to fend off London as usual, right? I mean, it's a fantastic rivalry in the O. Um, but I think Carson Rakoff to me has been kind of the linchpin. I, I mean, Brustavich has been incredible, and that's been one of the great stories of the early OHL season. But the fact that Rakoff has been so consistent, I think, is the key. Because, you know, the reason Seattle was able to draft him in the second round is scouts were a little worried during his draft year last year about his consistency. You had a big guy that could score and move. So it's like all those boxes were checked off but could he do it night in and night out this season we've seen him do it consistently and that's obviously been humongous for them I think too you know I was talking to Meshire over the summer and he was saying you know last year in Kitchener we had great guys a lot of talent but during the regular season for whatever reason we just weren't as good as we should have been and they got the big first-round playoff upset, so that was great. But it kind of felt like last year was still a disappointment for Kitchener. So I wonder if this year is almost kind of like the revenge tour. And with Bristavich taking a huge step forward, with Rakoff becoming more consistent, getting Meshar back, getting Roman Schmidt back on the blue line, they have the pieces in place where they can really do some damage, and that's what we've seen early on. Jackson Parsons got his third shutout of the season last night, so they're getting uh, timely goaltending as well. Um, adding to the the rivalry between Kitchener and London would be uh, Henry Brustevich, Hunter's younger brother, who's playing on the Knights this year. So that adds a little bit more uh, sibling rivalry into the into that great rivalry as well. Um, we've touched on on London, and we know what London is, and and that they're going to be right there, and they're always exciting. What about the Eastern Conference? Because once again, 
it looks like it could be anybody's game out there. Yeah, I mean, the team that really has been impressive so far is Mississauga um, because they're still very young. And heading into the season, they had a 17-year-old goaltender in Ryerson Leanders and a 16-year-old goaltender in Jack Ivankovic, who, you know, kind of a rare first-rounder uh, in net. You know, I, just like in the NHL, like if you're going to be a goalie and go that high, you got to be pretty special. I remember seeing him at the OHL Cup last year. It's like, okay, yeah, I, I definitely see it. Um, even though he didn't have a ton of size and, you know, he, he still could grow. Um, but it feels like the Steelheads are ahead of schedule. And Porter Martone, I, I mean, he's just one of my favorite players to watch because he's big and he's nasty, but he's also skilled. And, you know, for the Steelheads to be as good as they are right now, uh, it's just a testament to what coach and GM James Richmond has put together. And, you know, Luke Misa, who's Michael Misa's older brother, he's up for the draft this year. I think he's already done himself a lot of favors with his start and the points he's put up. Um, so just an exciting time for Mississauga because they, like I said, they feel they're, they're a little ahead of schedule. And, you know, you look at like North Bay and they're a really tough team to play against and they got some high end talent. You know, they got some great blue liners from Ty Nelson to Tanias Mathurin, where they got a, a, a lot of different skill sets back there. Uh, and then, of course, when DiVincentis is healthy, he's probably one of the best goalies in the league. Uh, but right now, for me, it's just it's fun to watch Mississauga. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Mississauga is great. You know, Martone, like you said, uh, he's he's electric. Um, I, I talked to him last week, and he told me that uh, James Richmond this year said uh, – we believe in us. So, and they do right now. They, they have all the confidence in both of their goalies and, and top to bottom in the lineup. They're, they're an exciting team and they don't want to, they don't want to wait till next year. They want to do it this year and they want their, their veterans that aren't going to be around next year to get a championship this year. So they're a, they're a fun team to, to keep an eye on for sure. Um, let's, since since we talk about Martone, he you know he's a late birthday, so he's not eligible for this draft, which is which gets us excited for the 2025 draft. But I know you're a prospect guy, so who's been in in your opinion so far, just in the really early goings of of this season, the the most impressive uh, 24 24 draft eligibles, and and obviously uh, Zane Perek got his first hat trick uh, last night. Um, but you know we've got Berkeley Catton, Sam Dickinson. Um, Ryder Ritchie, Caden Lindstrom looks like a monster out there. Mm. Uh, who who's impressed you the most? Well, you know, I I think Ritchie and Lindstrom have been great out west, and and as you mentioned, because Lindstrom has such excellent size uh, to go along with his skill, that's a player that you say, okay, well, how high can he go? You know, I mean, I I think Medicine Hat was a team that. You know they got Gavin McKenna, so they were always they were obviously going to be kind of must see TV uh, coming into the season, anyways. But I think Lindstrom has done himself a lot of favors. Uh, Berkeley Catton's kind of a favorite of mine, uh, just the way that he played at the Holinka Gretzky tournament for Canada uh, in the summer that was massive. And you know, he's such a smart guy; he's a leader. Obviously, he can put up points. To me, Sam Dickinson with London is the most intriguing because he's already good at the things that you usually have to teach young players. 
I see him as like maybe kind of a Jacob Chikrin kind of player, or even like a more of a throwback defenseman where, you know, he's got great size. He's physical. He can clear at the crease. You know, he can kill plays in the corners, but he got off to a great offensive start with the Knights, which was kind of a bonus because when I, when I think of Sam Dickinson, I think of a guy that could be like an elite shutdown defenseman uh, with some two-way ability. Now we're already seeing some offense, I, I would say maybe a little ahead of schedule. And again, you know, he's playing for a great program in London, so he's going to get all the, uh, you know, development that he needs and, and great coaching and a great support system there. Uh, but for me, I think Dickinson's put himself in a place right now where he should be definitely in that top five conversation and at least in the conversation to be the first defenseman off the board. Now, does it turn out to be Artem Levshunov at Michigan State University? Perhaps. But I think when teams look at Dickinson, they're going to see a player that has all the NHL tools already and could be one of those rare defensemen that joins the league as a teenager. Maybe it's not next year, maybe it's the year after, but I feel like his runway is pretty short in terms of getting to the NHL. Well, you you look at just the team he plays for, and when was the last time you saw a 16-year-old defenseman playing the minutes he was playing last year in the playoffs for the London Knights? Exactly. And you you look at the talent they had, uh, and the talent they still have on that back end, uh, it, it really speaks to how much the Hunters trusted Sam Dickinson. And, you know, I know they played him with uh, a number of different players last year just to sort of see, you know, where he could fit in and give him different kinds of looks. Uh, but that trust has certainly paid off already this season. And then you got Maxim Massey out in Shakutami, who should be the top Quebec player off the board. Um, I also want to quickly touch on the 2025 draft because, like I mentioned, you got Porter Martone there. You got a number of guys that were at the at the Holinka Gretzky and at the U18s that uh, just had the late birthdays. So you got Malcolm Spence, Roger McQueen, goaltender Gabrielle Dagg in Victoriaville, Jordan Gavin in, in Tri-City. And that doesn't even factor in Michael Misa, who will be first-year eligible um, in the 2025 draft as well. Yeah, it's very exciting. And it's funny with a couple of those kids, I, I keep having to remind myself they have another year, like Roger McQueen, because of all the international experience he already has with Canada, it's like, no, no, we got to wait for him. Porter Marteau, that, that one's already drilled in my head because, you know, I, I live in Toronto, so I'm not far from Mississauga. Um, but for me, like, I've always been a big Malcolm Spence guy, again, dating back to the OHL Cup, uh, where he was so good for that Mississauga team that went all the way, him and Michael Misa, you know, Misa broke Connor McDavid's tournament scoring record. And that was always, that was very exciting to witness, but you know, Malcolm Spence overtime, Holinka Gretzky tournament for the gold medal. He's the guy. It was one of those situations almost similar to Connor Bedard at the world juniors last year when Canada needed that overtime goal. You could tell Bedard was like, taking that puck going all the way i'm ending this now with that overtime at helinka gretzky i mean that was like up in the air and that was a game you know canada i mean they were certainly favored in spence breakaway in my mind when i was watching that breakaway i'm like he's getting 
You know, it's like, this is the kind of player he is. He's a big moment player and he buried it. And it'll, it's going to be very exciting. I mean, obviously Misa kind of has the inside track. If we're thinking about first overall, it's him, James Hagens, who plays, you know, for USA Hockey's NTDP. Um, but for me, it's like, well, Spence is bigger and yeah, he's a winger and Misa's a center. So you give a mark to, to Misa on that one, but. I mean, there's a lot to like about Malcolm Spence and, you know, the Erie Otters aren't like the strongest team necessarily this year. They're going to keep growing. And obviously, you know, this is not Spence's draft year. So this season's kind of gravy in that respect. Um, but being a late birthday, I mean, he's going to be expected to really kind of take over next year. And I, I think he meets those high expectations because he's got so much going for him. How much does having all that, international experience that those guys have like when i talked to porter martone you know you you start you start looking at some of the stuff and it's like wow he won a a gold a silver and a bronze for team canada last year at the u17s u18s then helenka gretzky how much is that going to benefit them as they go into you know this year and even into next year in their draft year it's pretty solid and you know, it's kind of weird with those late birthdays where it's like, okay, you're going to have like an early Helenka Gretzky tournament if you do make it. Uh, but then the benefit sometimes is you get into the world under 18s because, you know, the pool is smaller because obviously the CHL playoffs are going on at the time. Um, the one that I think is kind of universally a great opportunity is, is the U17s, which are on right now because you get kids that are, pretty much all rookies in the CHL. They're finding their place. It's a new level of hockey. They're playing older, stronger competition. You know, it's not easy right at the start. But then you go to this tournament, you're back against your peer group, you get your confidence going, you know, maybe you pop in a couple more goals and then you come back to your junior franchise and it's almost like a revelation where it's like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm in the mix right now. And you see a lot of kids take off after that tournament. So I think all that international play, whatever the tournament is, it can really help young players for sure. Well, uh, not to keep talking about Porter Martone uh, being his cheerleader here today, but uh, he was one of those guys last year, hadn't scored, went to the under-17s, had a really good under-17s, and scored in his first game back. You know, Zane Parekh is another guy, hadn't scored, goes the other – under 17s, he comes back and then he just goes on and, and breaks the OHL rookie goal scoring record for defensemen. So obviously it does work. We've got a uh, Canada versus Canada quarterfinal matchup today. So it'll be exciting to see who comes out of that one and who moves on in the under 17s. But definitely uh, one of my favorite uh, international tournaments to see because you see who will be starring for Canada for the next potentially you know decade if you get into the Olympics and stuff like that. Indeed. And, you know, I do like that they're down to two Canada teams now. I think it's better to sort of concentrate the higher end kids. I think the familiarity they get with each other heading into tournaments like the U18s, particularly the World Juniors. I think that's one almost disadvantage Canada has is that there's too many good players. So they don't necessarily have the familiarity where, you know, the kids in Finland, the kids in, you know, Czechia, kids in Sweden they've all been playing together for years well if you wanted to go back and see which Canadians 
participated in the under 17s or other international events or just see what they did you know nhl players what they did back when they were in junior we can now go on to the hockey news archive and we can pull up some old archives tell me a little bit about that how long has this been in the works because as a as a big hockey news fan myself i was elated to see this come about yeah i mean this has been a big project uh, we have 76 years worth of hockey history um it's it's a compendium like no other i mean nobody else has that catalog um and you know it, it got delayed because of the pandemic but it's finally here it's glorious you know i got a sneak peek because we put out a special issue where we did classic covers and we were going through the archive and just some of the stories you know you look at the first time that we talked to an eric lindros for example or the very first time that we talked to Wayne Gretzky when he was with, uh, or well, the first Gretzky cover, I should say, when he was at the Indianapolis Racers, I was reading the article and he's saying, well, I just hope I can stick with the team. And it's like, yeah, Wayne, I think you'll be okay on the Racers. Uh, but it's fun to see that stuff, you know, and it's fun to see what uh, people were saying about Eric Lindros back then. Uh, Steve Eiserman was another one where, you know, there's a great quote from Jimmy Devolano, who's saying, you know, he was forever indebted to old Peterborough coach Dick Todd because he always rolled his lines. So teams didn't see as much of Iserman as they should have, and therefore the Red Wings were able to pick him up. You know, I think it was fourth in the draft, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so you know, he's like, thank God for Dick Todd, you know, <laughs> not playing Iserman 25 minutes a night because then we were able to snag him. Uh, but just going through the old issues, checking out all the old covers. Uh, it's so fun. And, you know, if you subscribe to the hockey news and you get access to all of it. And I mean, again, for me, it's just, I was so excited about it and being able to look through it is just, it's just like a, a hockey fan's dream because no matter who you follow, we have covered them. Yeah. It's definitely something that you can fall down a long rabbit hole and just find a treasure trove of, of great things that are in there. Uh, Ryan, what's what's coming up next for you guys? I know you, you said you're just finishing up on a couple of um, issues. What do we what can we expect from you guys? Yeah, so Brad Marchand on the cover of the uh, magazine that we're actually closing today. So that'll be coming out in the next week or two. And then after that, World Junior Special, uh, one of my favorites, previewing every country. You're going to have features on uh, guys from some of the bigger nations as well. So uh, that'll be the the issue after uh, the one with Marshan on the cover that, that also has kind of a deep dive on Boston turning 100. Got quotes from a lot of Bruins legends about what it means to be a Bruin. Guys like Zdeno Chara, Ray Bork, Brad Park, Cam Neely. So that's going to be a fun one as well. Awesome. Ryan, thank you very much for joining me today. As always, it's it's great to chat with you. Indeed. Thanks so much for having me. That's it. That's all for today. Thanks for listening or watching. See you next week when, once again, we'll check in with a pair of teams from the CHL Top 10 Rankings.